On this episode of Your Asian Best Friends, we discuss why I'm an alpha and Bernard's a beta. Plus, we react to a fiery Asian versus Asian political battle going on in California. I'm Taylor. And I'm Bernard. And we are your Asian best friends. All right, so I got... A bit of a continuation from our last episode, just to, to, to start this off. I've got to shout Netflix out again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> i got to shout them out again. Uh-huh. They flew me down to Los Angeles. Really? Yeah, for a movie set visit. I can't say what movie, uh-huh. but it was a pretty big movie. And they, they took me out again. I had a great time in, <laughs> in L.A. Uh, courtesy of Netflix. That's dope. Nice hotel. Yeah. Really, you know, I room service. <laughs> I thought I saw you on Instagram in Los Angeles. I was wondering what was going on there. Yeah, a little work trip. A little work nice. trip. But Netflix again. They're just Dope. they're just the our our uh, our friends at Netflix. Nice. I went down there and I had uh I went to Rustic Canyon for the first time. Ooh, cool. This is Taylor, one of Taylor's favorite chefs, safe to say. Oh yeah, for sure. I think um, Jeremy Fox. Yeah, really, really influenced Taylor, mm-hmm. and, and you know, maybe uh, from what I understand, was uh, like a driving force to you getting into the industry. Yeah, that and uh, uh, Encanto, which was Cosentino's restaurant. Oh, yeah. Those two, those two restaurants were the ones that definitely like perspective shifting meals. I went to Rustic Canyon, one of his restaurants. It was terrific. I bet. But get this, Taylor. Hmm. I was having, <laughs> so I have a friend, I hope they don't listen to this, <laughs> this podcast, uh-huh. but uh, we were, I, I had this uh, Netflix hotel room and it's really nice hotel. So I thought I was going to order room service. So I invited a friend over so we could have like dinner, like room service dinner. Yeah. Nice dinner that we were eating dinner. I said, don't get whatever you want, <laughs> get whatever you want. It's on Netflix. And then uh, we got like uh, some good food yeah. and then we were talking about food in LA and uh, he's like, and he's a, a server, mm-hmm. so so he's been he's been a server in LA for a long time. So um, he he knows food, and and uh, I was like, yeah, dude, I just went to Rustic Canyon, had a really great meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he was like, oh yeah, that place is mediocre, but we've got better places. If you want to check them out, I'll let you know. <laughs> I mean, I can't I can't speak to it because I've never been I've but never been to it. Um, there's. So. There's no way he's eaten there and said mm, that. There's yeah. no way. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, to me, Jeremy Fox is a... He really changed the game in the United States in terms of how we view vegetable cooking here. Mm. Um, and I I doubt that anything he puts out would be mediocre. Um, I know he's not really trying to like push things like he used to. Like, I think he wants to be like a neighborhood restaurant. Um, I think he desires that. Yeah. Um, but I imagine whatever he's doing is amazing. It's like sneakily impressive, you know? Yeah. He's sneaky about it. it, The the place is called Rustic Canyon and it's like, like you said, like a neighborhood spot, Mm -hmm. really unpretentious. Yeah. But food's like excellent. Right. Right. That's I. I love that. I think that's a like good path for him. I. Th- you know what I think my friend did. I think my friend's never been there, and he just heard the name Rustic Canyon, mm-hmm. and assumed it was mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know Jeremy Fox. Yeah. I mean that is a terrible name for a restaurant. 
Rustic Canyon. It sounds like like um, uh, like Black Bear Diner. <laughs> it sounds like one of those kind of restaurants. Like there's going to be a carved bear outside the uh, <laughs> outside the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like all these you know, fake taxidermy. So I'm not going to hold it against my friend. I think he must not be familiar with Mr. Fox, Chef Fox. Well, I'm not going to shit on your friend because they might listen to the podcast. But <laughs> it's like you shouldn't talk about things you don't know about. For example, I don't know if Rustic Canyon's mediocre. I've never eaten there. I don't think it It probably isn't, but I can't definitively say that. Absolutely. You know? You have to be... Give, Give uh, things their uh, uh, day in court, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he uh, is eaten there. Uh, but that's, you know, I, I'm sure I say like things like that all the time. Like I judge things I don't really know about. And... Yeah. Anyway. Um... Fuck your friend. I have another continuation of a previous episode. Yeah. I got another tattoo. Oh, you did? Where'd got another you go? tattoo. It's right there. Where'd you go? Uh, Chico. Oh, that's right. You were telling me. And uh, it's just uh, some mushrooms growing out of uh, half of an animal skull. <laughs> <laughs> what was the inspiration behind this one? Uh, artists seem cool. Uh huh. And they were doing a flash day. Oh, I see. I see. Very simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it matches my other tattoo. It's very nice. illustrative. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. So I'm just playing it loosey goosey with these tats. Yeah. Very loose. <laughs> <laughs> um, I need to slow it down with the tattoos. I need to stop. Uh... Yeah. Was your partner like, what, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got two. I got two. My first one, and then the next, then I, and now I have two. It's only been a month. Yeah, my father-in-law did something similar when he came to town when I first met him. He, like, got three tattoos in two days. Whoa. Yeah, but that's not surprising. Why, why wasn't it surprising? <laughs> I, I don't think I can go into it. <laughs> I, so I, I, I'm a fan in theory. I don't have... I would say I don't have any yet, mm -hmm. but I'm a fan in theory of stupid tattoos. Stupid tattoos? Yeah, like I'm not, like if I get a, like I think a lot of uh, people's trepidation about tattoos is like, oh, I'm going to get it and then I'm not going to like it later or something mm -hmm. like, you know, I regret it. And I'm like, yeah, if it's like a little tattoo somewhere on my body and maybe, I, you know, it's dumb and later I don't like it, it's not a big deal to me. Honestly, I... I mean, I think what I've noticed is that you just forget about it. I mean, I love my tattoo, but I forget that I have it. Like, yeah, it just becomes a part of yeah, you a little bit. I don't bit. even think about it. Yeah. I mean, I can't really speak to it because I've only had tattoos for like a little over a month. Mm -hmm. But uh, already I feel the same thing. Yeah. I forget that I have the, the first one. I also, I got to say, uh, so I've been, we talked, maybe, maybe we talked about it last time, but I've been painting my nails pretty regularly uh, lately. Yeah. And uh, I go, my kids go to school in a city that's like kind of rough. Mm -hmm. So it's like rough city, not, yeah, I'd say like rough people. There's rough people. There. <laughs> rough. There's yeah. rough people. But we live in a nice part of the city, but yeah. there's still like some roughness. And I Definitely. was at like a PTA meeting. Nice. And I started to notice something like, uh, 
<laughs> like over the, over the week since I've been uh, had my nails painted uh, regularly, I've picked up on like some things where I sense one thing I sense is they don't think that I'm with my partner. Mm-hmm. So I have a wife, mm-hmm. but we're never there together because I'm there some days and she's there other days. We accompany our son for an hour every morning in class. Yeah. So we're in the class. We're on campus. We we meet with the staff. And from how they address me, I don't think they think I we're together. Hmm. I was like, that's weird. Yeah. And then at <laughs> this PTA meeting, uh, they were talking about like inclusion. Yeah. And they were like looking around the room and they <laughs> nice. were like, they were like, you know, we want to, we want to include like all communities, like the black community, the Asian community. And then the principal looked at me, mm-hmm. like the LGBTQ community, nice. like that and gestured to me. It's not like I'm going to play dumb and it's like, why would you think I'm mm-hmm. queer? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess just to me, like the tattoo thing, like the nails, mm-hmm. it's just like normal to me now. Mm-hmm. But then I forget that, like, I'm in a rough city where, like, no dudes paint their nails, like, at all. Yeah. And if they do, they probably get, like, beat up or whatever. Yeah. So I forget. And I was I was reminded in hilarious fashion. <laughs> well, at least morning. the principal didn't beat you up. Oh, it was a loving thing. You're just yeah. Like, I love She wants nails. to support my community. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into Asians in the news. All right. Uh, so for Asians in the news, uh, we're going to... One of the stories that Taylor brought to my attention is just so fascinating. We're going to mm. be go, diving deep into that one. So I wanted to keep the rest of Asians in the news a little brief. All right. This one is not really news at all, but is I think is relevant to, to us in this show. Uh, it's more um, everything, everywhere, all at once news. Oh, Yeah. Kind of. Mm. It's not news, but the the directors, Daniels, they were they were they did an interview recently. Uh oh, I don't like the tone of this. It's really interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting. So Daniels, the two the two directors of Everything Everywhere All at Once, they revealed uh-huh. that originally that movie was supposed to star Jackie Chan. Oh yeah, I knew about that. So they so. Did we not talk about this? No, they just said, I thought they just said it. No. <laughs> Did they some, say this forever ago? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, one of my other friends must have clued me in on it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I knew that they were the, it was supposed to be Jackie Chan in the beginning. Yeah, so I guess they were trying to subvert, um, you know, the Asian male tropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they did that anyway with Kihai Kwan. Definitely, yeah. So I guess Jackie Chan was supposed to be the protagonist, mm-hmm. and Michelle Yeoh was going to play his wife. Ah, gotcha. and so it was going to be flipped. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was similar story that you could you probably, if you've seen the movie, you could probably see how they would have flipped uh, yeah. those roles pretty easily mm-hmm. because they they handle both of those characters pretty well and pretty yeah. robustly. But um. God, that's really fascinating. Like to think about what that movie would look like with Jackie. I'm glad they went with Michelle. I am too, but I do feel like Jackie would have knocked that shit out of the park. I think he would have done it a really good job. Could you imagine that? But that oh. being said, I wouldn't. I couldn't imagine that movie with without Kihai Kwan. Like he was so fucking good in that movie. 
Well, that's that's also uh, yeah, he was, and that's the point I think that comes to mind for me is that uh, I think Michelle Yeoh's a better actor than Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. and I think Ki Hai Kwan's a better actor than Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. So I think it worked out for the best. Yeah. Uh, all, but still, that still doesn't diminish the fact that I'm so intrigued by a version of that movie with Jackie Chan as a star. Yeah, an alternate universe of uh, <laughs> somewhere that movie's playing out. Could you imagine the action scenes they had planned? Yeah. Holy shit. That's one area where he would have bested both of them. Oh, for sure. I mean, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's great, though, man. I mean... Yeah, Jackie would have been great, but like I think one Michelle Michelle Yeoh obviously has been a huge movie star for a long time, but I feel like this really truly is like a huge breakthrough role for her, even though she's been so established for as long as she has been. Um, and Kihai Kwan, like it gave him a career back basically, yeah, because everyone yeah. realized like, wow, this guy is fucking brilliant. He gave up, yeah, for years, yeah, so. I'm I'm glad they went the direction that they went. Yeah, amazing. Still so I'm still like buzzing about that movie. Me too. I'm buzzing cuz like I looked uh, at this point it's made over 106 million dollars. Oh, really? During a pandemic like wow. <laughs> that's insane. That's dope, man. For for that movie like, like yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. A24, right? Yeah, A24. Jesus. Yeah, A24. That's got to be their biggest hit. I have to imagine. Although, I, I mean, they put out so many movies. Maybe there's another one that yeah that did better. But uh, Jesus, I'm so happy for that. Like, all those guys. I know that uh, when I spoke to Daniels for the uh, promotion of that movie, that they said for their next project, they're going to continue commenting on Asian oh, really? experiences and stereotypes. Wow. Interesting. Subverting those. So uh, maybe we'll see Jackie uh, work with them after all. Yeah, that'd be dope. I mean, he can't say no to them now. I can't wait to see what they do next. Oh, man. I hope they're working on it. Okay, so later on in the show, we're going to get to this really, really fascinating story that, uh, that um, I don't know, I can't really wrap my head around, actually. <laughs> really bizarre. Uh, but before we get to that, I wanted to talk about uh, the idea of alpha males uh-huh. and beta males. Yeah. And their standing in society currently mm-hmm. is really interesting. Who runs society, who's going to run society in the future. I think it's really funny how things are kind of um, evolving. But before we get into that, Taylor, mm-hmm. would you consider yourself <laughs> an alpha or a beta? Like, I don't even know what really the definitions of those two things are. Mm. Like, to me, alpha, if you call yourself an alpha, you're basically just admitting that you're an asshole. Yeah, and then nobody self-identifies as a beta. I would say <laughs> <laughs> so. It's a conundrum. <laughs> well, I think um, for alpha alpha males, it's kind of like pretty much all of not just all toxic masculine traits, but most of them I think could be attributed to alpha males, mm. like the ego. Mm-hmm. The suppression of emotion, mm-hmm. the I'll do it myself, I'll mm-hmm. bear all the burden and like hold it against you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, later type of thing. Uh, all of those toxic traits I would associate with alpha males. Mm. Misogyny. Mm-hmm. Alphas do that. And then betas 
I think are just the more passive, uh, the, the negative stereotype would be that they're doormats, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they kind of get walked o- all over and they, um, maybe they're simps, <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. they, uh, maybe they, um, I don't know, uh, are nice guys that finish last all the time. Mm. The weaklings. <laughs> Gosh, I don't think I identify with, I think I stick with my original answer. I don't identify with either of them. Yeah, hard for you to, uh, yeah, to call yourself uh, either one. Yeah, because I definitely am not a doormat, but I'm, I, I definitely used to be toxic, for sure, mm. um, and total asshole. But I don't uh, think I don't think all alpha male traits are toxic. I right. not all of them because I from my perspective, like mm-hmm. from my perspective, I think you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I for me, I think you're like an alpha in a good way. Oh, I like see. you're, you know, you're you're assertive. Mm-hmm. You get things done. Yeah, you're tough. You know, like, like you you um you are uh, dutiful. You, if you need to shoulder the responsibility, you will. Right. So it's like you're a non-toxic alpha in my eyes. Oh, that's very sweet. You should write a card for me. <laughs> <laughs> Dear alpha. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, value in both. Because I think there was, I've noticed in the past that I was too assertive I was too determined to get things done. And when I came up for air, I realized how much damage I caused. Like like uh, in your like relationships? In my relationships. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that was really hard to confront as somebody that I view myself as like emotionally intelligent and empathetic. But when I get into that mode of, just uh, relentlessness in some ways, right? Uh, I can I can get super energized by it, and it's like one of my favorite feelings, just to like go go go. But it, I had to learn over time how to do that without hurting other people. Mm. Yeah, I see that. I see that. It's well, I I didn't see. I no. Okay, wait. I never saw <laughs> that toxic side of you. We've never, you know. Yeah. I've never seen that before, but, um, yeah, I, I see, see, I can clearly, you know, tell that, you know, you and I have both matured over the years and yeah. learned <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we're, we're both, um, generally happier people, uh, yeah. these days. Uh, we were both kind of emo at, at certain points of our life. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say for me, I'm, it, I'm naturally more of a beta. Hmm. Definitely, like, been a doormat most of my life. Hmm. Uh, people pleaser, you know. Hmm. I I chase after girls in like a kind of pathetic way a lot of the time. Like, not in a not in a confident way. I'm not confident. Well, uh, it's super pathetic since you have a wife now. Yeah, that's it. what makes it sad. <laughs> I'm chasing after these girls. They won't. They want nothing to do with me once they find out that I'm married. So that makes me really beta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, no, I would say that I'm a passive person. 
hmm. innately and I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I'm fearful, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I like riddled with insecurity. Um, but I think over the past, basically since I met my wife, like, like mm-hmm. the past 10 years mm-hmm. plus I'm edging more towards the middle. Like I'm definitely, yeah, I'm that. definitely not a, a doormat anymore. I definitely take yeah. what I want. Don't take yeah. no for an answer when I need to. Yeah. Not afraid to, I'm de- more outspoken than I was when I was young. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, Taylor's definitely seen that change Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh so yeah i I would say as i get older i'm taking on more i i would like to think more good alpha traits like uh, the confidence part i'm not i'm not super super insecure anymore i would say yeah and people pleasing is i don't know it's uh it's not necessary it's not inherently bad it's just dangerous for the can be excessive you can be excessive with yeah it's just yeah, it's really dangerous. Um, yeah, I mean, I live with two of them, my son and my one of my sons and and my partner, and you know, it's a really admirable quality. Um, but it you can ignore what you actually need for yourself. Yeah, and build resentment that the people around you don't realize that you have moderation. Absolutely. Moderation with all this stuff, right? Absolutely. I, I think uh, as a former habitual people pleaser, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, uh, I th- I'd still b- believe in being generous and kind, yeah. but you always have to prioritize your self-respect. Mm-hmm. You have to put your self-respect first. If, you, if you're encroaching on your self-respect to please others, yeah, then that's bad. Yeah. It's not worth it. And they Definitely. probably don't deserve whatever you're doing for them. I've been um, really trying to balance all these things. You know, I don't think about it like I need to be more alpha. I need to be more beta. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <you> know? <laughs> but I, you know, I think uh, I realized that over the course of my life, like most of the, most of my friends and loved ones are women. I, I just, um, mm. I uh, get along with women better most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I think I, the men that I avoid are like alphas, mm. you know, most, I mean, we all know these men that are like, ha oh, and like, <laughs> like bros and all this. Mm-hmm. I do, I cannot relate to them mm-hmm. uh, on a deep level. And, uh, I, I, most of the time I can't respect, uh, alpha, alpha guys who are mm-hmm. like, uh, say like refer to women as females and mm-hmm. you know <laughs> stuff like that and uh, you know i don't know um but i have learned to respect the some of the the mm. i don't know the um tendencies of alphas the mm-hmm. alpha tendencies like i think my my wife is an alpha <laughs> She, she's just, she, dude, my, my wife. <laughs> okay, and she definitely doesn't listen I to this. Just imagine, I just imagine her just kicking your ass every yeah. single day. <laughs> no, my, my, my wife and I really get along swimmingly. We, yeah. we, we have a great relationship that, uh, we never, we, we don't really even fight, but she's, I, I think she's the one who taught me. I said that I started changing when we got together. Mm-hmm. I think just by watching her, like she's kind of a, you know, she's like a bad bitch. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. take shit from anybody and she says no when she doesn't want to do something like, mm-hmm. uh, firmly. 
and doesn't mm-hmm. have any regrets. And uh, as I watched her, I'm, that's not me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not like that. But when I saw her behave that way, I thought I was really impressed and I admired it. Yeah. So I, I tried to follow uh, in her footsteps as far as her behavior and how she really respects herself. Yeah. Like she'll never, she'll never uh, lose sight of, of uh, her self-worth yeah. in doing anything. Yeah. And I, I love that. I lo- and I think that's, that's more of a, less of a beta thing. It's more of an alpha thing. Oh, interesting. Like yeah. She's a leader. Yeah. I think that's definitely uh, one of my core values is just staying true to who I am and not sacrificing that for really anything. Um, but who I am is like a caring, kind person, but I am not going to sacrifice that. Right. And I will absolutely defend that if I, if I need to, um, in some ways, like uh, being yourself and wanting to, and showing people what you want is vulnerable. Yeah. Just like honesty, right? Mm -hmm. Being genuine, sincere. Um, there's this other idea that I've, I've seen, you know, kind of floating around the, uh, like online, I don't know, the Twitter, not Twitter, I'm not on Twitter. This idea that for the longest time the world was run by alphas, mm-hmm. by strong men who, mm-hmm. you know, just like, rah, and, and they just take and they mm-hmm. they lead. Uh, but that now in our current society over the last few, not few years, but maybe a couple, maybe three decades, um, we've seen a shift to where betas are taking over because betas are more um they're more likely they're more open to working together to accomplish a goal whereas alphas would rather do it themselves hmm. they're kind of bullheaded you know they they're like oh, I'll do it I can do everything type of you know uh, really really um I don't know independent but also like kind of cocky and I feel like betas, because betas are stereotypically not cocky, they're more open to asking for help, um, using others' strengths to um, to uh, support their own weaknesses, admitting to their weaknesses, working together. It's like a community thing. And I think we're seeing that a lot in, in tech and, and, you know, a lot of these huge companies are that um, these more passive personalities can actually run companies because they they are able to delineate and have other people help them uh, mm-hmm. build a company. Where as before, I think it was more of a there's like a stubbornness or a, or a just a work work uh, work work work. Yeah, that's interesting. Like I, the more we're talking about this, the less I believe that there's actually an alpha and a beta person. Like mm. I, I I think that it's just too simplistic of a of a term. Like, I don't think anybody is just bullheaded and just go, go, go. Um, and I don't think anybody's just always passive. Uh, I don't know. I have a hard time categorizing people sometimes. Like, I have a, I hate being put in a box. <clears throat> yes. And being told, like, you're this thing. Yes. And then you're this thing. <laughs> and then these things have these traits and these things have these traits. Um so I don't know. I wouldn't say I agree. And yeah. I wouldn't say that alpha and beta are as rigid of labels as yeah. people. Like it's like, 
Like, even though I consider myself a beta or whatever, if, if, mm. if we're going to speak in those terms. Right. Right. Like, it's just a way of communicating different personality types. Mm. It doesn't mean like it, like you're all betas do this and all mm-hmm. alphas do this. Um, I think maybe some people view it that way. But from yeah. what I understand, uh, very few people speak in those terms. Mm. Uh, it's, it's more just like, you know, an A personality, B personality type of thing. Yeah. When I meet people in real life, I can kind of sense like <laughs> whether they're you know mm. uh they respect themselves or not or if yeah. they're if they're a, a doormat or not let's let's get rid of the alpha beta thing just the um people who don't have an ego can be leaders oh i think people that don't have an ego make the best leaders i think so too i think that they're better leaders than people with egos i mean i've seen it in my job and i've i've given people that feedback before of like you're not going to grow because you think that you know everything already. Right, right. So you're not going to... You can't not, tell me shit. You're not going to learn anything. Um, and the strongest, the most talented people that I've ever been around are people that are just like endlessly curious. Yes, and yes. And you need to put your ego aside when you want to chase that curiosity. I think you definitely do need an ego. Like you need to say like, this is my perspective. This Absolutely. is what I think. This is why I think these things, but never to the detriment of uh, learning. I don't think you can be too humble. Like humility is right. Is uh, such so valuable. <clears throat> I, 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 yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I sometimes I pity people because you see these kind of like, uh, I don't know, like uh, cocky, egotistical, most of the time men walking Mm -hmm. around and they think they know everything and Mm -hmm. and they're like, I'm going to be a big deal someday. It's like, no, you're not dude. Cause you, you're not learning. You're not Mm -hmm. open to learn anything. Yeah. Um, you have to be, you have to have humility, a measure of humility, Mm -hmm. the greater, the measure, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. But the ego has to be there too, because, um, I was listening to, um, uh, this, this guy, his name is John Danaher. He's like a martial artist Mm -hmm. and he's trained some of the best, like combat sports athletes in the world. He's really, but he's really brilliant guy, like, like intellectual guy. And Mm -hmm. he was talking about, um, how the advice to take your ego out of it when you go into a competition is just, it like, it sounds terrifying. Idiotic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like you're going to get your ass kicked. (laughs) Well, it's like ego. Where does competition come from? Right. Other than ego. Totally. You have to have some, you have to, if you're going to be the best, you have to have an ego. Yeah, I mean, it's how I survive the restaurant industry. I am going to go through you. Yeah. (laughs) This is just so funny because I was, you know, I think we chatted before in, in the past about when I was in therapy and like sometimes my therapist would play back the words that I was saying to him. Hmm. And I'd be like, wow, that does sound intense. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be like, he said, he said, he's like, you just said that you were going to eviscerate anybody that stood in your way. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> you said, I will gouge their eyeballs out with my bare hands. And eat them 
as I stomp on their neck. Yeah. Doesn't that sound a little strange, Taylor? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, no, I really said that. <laughs> but like, that was the mindset that I uh, put myself in. And honestly, even just talking about it now, I get energized. Like, mm. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. like short. It's like a game. It's like, like you said, it's like a competition. Gamesmanship. It's like, it's, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it should be short lived. It should be in short spurts to get you over the hump to motivate you. Well, you and yeah, and you can do it hel- you can do it in a healthy way yeah. in, in within certain parameters. It should right. never be personal. Right. That's the thing. You should never let it get into interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. That's just like you're not gonna grow a relationship having yeah. an ego. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're if you're participating in something mm-hmm. where you're competing against other people, like I like, you know, when even when we're doing the show and we're in we're doing this like I want to make it the best show it can be. Oh yeah, and definitely. uh I it's competitive, right? Like I we're but I'm competing with ourselves. It's not a we're definitely competing with ourselves. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're holding ourselves back. <laughs> we're our worst enemy. Rivalry of the century. Your Asian best friends versus themselves. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, I totally feel that too. Um, and I think in some ways that's why, uh, I think that's why we're able to do this in some ways, because even though like we both know right now how many people listen, but I don't think that's how we approach it. Like I, no. I spend too much time working on the edits for these shows, even though I know like the audience is pretty small right now. Right. Yeah. But I would never be able to do it any other way. Yeah, because we're competitive. We right. want to, we want to make it good. If we're doing it, yeah, got to make it good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, Taylor's an alpha, and I'm a beta. <laughs> okay. So the other day, Taylor, you sent me a uh, news article mm-hmm. about this. Um, I don't know, Asian on Asian war. Yeah. Political war mm-hmm. uh, going on down in the 45th congressional district of California, which is like somewhere in LA. Yeah. Our, our <laughs> Where in LA state. is it? Uh, Orange County. So, okay. Yeah. I think it's Orange County. So pretty Republican down it's, there. It's pretty Republican. Um, it's between uh, Michelle Steele who is a Republican, mm-hmm. Korean-American, mm-hmm. and Jay Chen, who is a Chinese-Taiwanese-American. Yeah. He's Chinese uh, by blood, but he's, he's really from Taiwan. Yeah, his roots are from Taiwan. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're going head-to-head, and Jay Chen is, is Democrat, Democratic yeah. Party. Um, so they're going at it for California's 45th Congressional District, uh, and the notable thing here is that this district is home to the largest, um, uh, is it Vietnamese? I think it's Vietnamese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the notable thing here is that the 45th district is home to the largest Vietnamese population in the U S yeah. Okay. And, um, the Vietnamese population is largely conservative. 
Yeah, because they hate communism. They <laughs> <laughs> hate Chinese communism. This is so crazy, dude. This is the craziest. So, so, so it's a really, really Asian district. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the population is Asian, and most of the Asian population is Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. So it's it's largely conservative, and uh, Steele. The the Michelle Steele, she's been uh, fighting a little dirty, mm-hmm. uh, to say the least. Kind of painting Chen as uh, uh, a communist sympathizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> which which rings true for the Vietnamese population because they they obviously are are anti-communism right <laughs> but, uh yeah. china's communism so mm-hmm. um she's been painting jay as a communist sympathizer but it, which but it's not true right classic republican shit <laughs> right this is so not true <laughs> yeah so jay jay is a lieutenant commander mm-hmm. in the u.s navy reserve he his dad fled china right he fled, con- <laughs> fled communism right? <laughs> yeah. to go to, to, and went to Taiwan where he met uh, Jay's mom, yeah. who is Taiwanese. And Chen literally defends democracy as... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Takes up arms to defend democracy. So it's absurd. <laughs> yeah. It's absurd, yeah. these attacks on, on Jay Chen. And it's, it, 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 it has become this really dirty... Mm-hmm. War in the in the media, and it's not uh, you know, Mr. Chen's hands aren't completely clean in this, right? Uh, yeah. He he made a comment. Yeah, he made he made a comment. Um, so they had a town hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Jay Chen and Michelle Steele, and then subsequently, after the town hall, uh, <laughs> Jay Chen had a meet and greet. Mm-hmm. With supporters, and at the meet and greet, he was like talking. On, uh, I think he was addressing the crowd, and he said, <laughs> "He's he said of of uh, Michelle Steele uh, at the town hall. He said, yeah, you kind of need an interpreter to figure out exactly what she's saying. Yeah, the more she speaks, the better for us. Yeah, which is a super racist thing, <laughs> thing to say about a nation with an accent." <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Why would you say that? Yeah. <laughs> like blatantly racist. I know. And his like explanation <laughs> of saying like, no, it's just like what she says is so absurd that you need an interpreter to figure out what she's oh. actually saying. It's just like, come on. It's <laughs> Asian just on Asian it. hate. Yeah. I mean, that's the funniest thing. It's like, I don't know, growing up with my grandma, you probably growing up in your household. Asian on Asian hate is as old as time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like the interesting thing about this that's whole like story. Our past time is hating on each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we clown on each other, very to varying degrees of seriousness. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's yeah, it's very common. Yeah, very very. I common. think that that's the point here is that yeah. I think to the rest of the country. They view us as more monolithic than right. we actually. We're really not monolithic, at, monolithic at all. No, yeah. Uh, we're so divided. Uh, all yeah. of our communities are very distinctive, mm-hmm. it, it, literally and figuratively and, and symbolically. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a perfect illustration of that. Yeah, 
it's pretty fascinating just like the uh the role communism plays in this and the time uh and it's really just like it's it's a generational thing like if you were born at a certain time you have these fears of communism rightful fears of of it depending on uh if you had to flee vietnam if you had to flee china um because of um the ramifications of some of the policies they put into place and the war and the horrific things that went on. Um, or if like you're more removed from that and, uh, you don't really associate with that closely with communism as being like this big boogeyman um, that it is for these other, other folks. So what was so when you sent this to me, what 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 really uh, kind of struck you about this story? When I dove into the story, it was definitely like just fascinating to me about because uh, it reminds me a lot about Florida and uh, mm-hmm. the Latino population down there, also hating communism and turning towards um, uh, the Republican Party, um, right? Because. Um, the Democratic Party wrongfully gets conflated with communism for whatever reason. I'm not sure how that started, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think what really resonated with me was like, yeah, man, nations been hating on each other forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is not surprising. Yeah, like this is yeah. like being with my grandma. Like. If I asked my, like, <laughs> like, if I wanted to get canceled, I would just, like, have my grandma on the podcast <laughs> and ask her of all her different opinions on different Asian ethnicities. Oh, God. The old Asians are, like, the most problematic <laughs> yeah, people sure. we have. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, we love so them. So loved. We, we love them. Yeah. But, uh, God, they're problematic. Very problematic. Um, and just the generational divide is really interesting and in how it yeah. plays out in politics. Um, older Asians generally tend to be more conservative. Right. Right. And I think it's, and I never thought about the role of communism in that until I read this article. Me neither. Um, and now it, it kind of filled that, that, um, gap for me. Um, so, uh, Michelle, the interesting thing about Michelle Steele is uh, her story. In in 2020, alongside California Representative Young Kim, who is uh, uh, Republican, mm-hmm. and Washington Democrat Marilyn Strickland, mm-hmm. who, if you can believe, is, is Asian, <laughs> mm. they became the first ever Korean women elected to Congress in 2020. Wow. All three of them in the same year. Wow. Two Republican, one Democrat. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting because on one hand, that's like fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now that we're in it and, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, Michelle Steele is, is vying for the... By the way, uh, at the time of this recording, the, the results have not come in. Right. Uh, uh, as to the race between uh, Jay Chen and Michelle Steele. But... Um, now that Michelle Steele's in the position she's in and we're seeing how she's conducting herself and 
um, the things she's saying and, and doing to Jay Chen. It's like, uh, oh, okay, now that there's Asians in politics, we see that there are good ones and bad ones. Yeah, Asians can be shitty too. Absolutely. It's, <laughs> well, it's just so stupid that it's so weird because like you want to celebrate you celebrate the fact that there are Asians in politics mm-hmm. and then you like really uh, uh, directly oppose a lot of the Asians that are in politics. Yeah. It's so it, there's just two levels. There's levels to this. shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like, uh, you know, what if the who's going to be the first woman president? It might be someone we all hate. But damn, somebody, a woman's finally a president. Yeah, what if it's someone terrible and we're just like, well, she's the first woman president. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> there are there are levels to it, but um, yeah, I mean, if anything, it's like, you know, white people can be shitty. Why can't Asians be shitty and hold office too? Very true. <laughs> that should have been her campaign message. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't Asians be shitty like, too? Like, look at all these shitty white people. Why can't I be there too? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I be shitty too? We can be just as shitty. <laughs> and that's honestly, that's her, that's been her like strategy. I'm going to be just as shitty as these white people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like her, her supporters are like MAGA people. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> so weird, man. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, but this is the thing. Maybe uh, I'll end off by by talking about this. I think this is like like Taylor alluded to. This is common in a lot of Asian families where um, the younger generation is progressive, yeah, and the older generation is conservative, mm-hmm. and uh, holidays can get awkward. Mm-hmm. Election seasons can get awkward. And I think from maybe from the outside, uh, people who aren't Asian don't know this, but this is super common. Like, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty close to like, yeah, every family, Asian family dynamic is for, especially immigrant, you know, Asian American yeah. families, um, the, the first generation mm-hmm. or the, the kids and the parents are, are typically politically opposed yeah i mean and honestly like a lot of the older generation came here under not awesome circumstances yeah (laughs) you know yeah yeah, yeah, and america was like the safe haven from wherever they were fleeing from uh and that comes with a lot of different ideologies that i think people that were born in this country like you and I um generally oppose because yeah. I think if if you have if you come to a country and it it is that sort of haven from this terror that you're fleeing I think there is like a um there's a likely chance that you're going to be a little bit more nationalistic you know you're yeah. going to not really challenge uh the country that you're living in. Whereas we grew up in this country that taught us to challenge where right. we're living. And we internalize those um, values. And that's, I think, where you see the divide. Absolutely. And I, 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 as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate 
my parents' generation's position in a lot of respects. Like, like you talk mm-hmm. about, they came here fleeing. I mean, just in my family alone, that things I heard that they were fleeing were pretty, uh, pretty horrible. Yeah. And, uh, this, this country means everything to them. Mm-hmm. They were built lives for me, like my, my generation and, and my kids. And yeah. it's all cause of them. Cause they, cause they immigrated here and this country took them in. So a lot of times I think, um, people our age who are not from immigrant families, um, millennials, millennial Democrats, there's like this kind of overriding sentiment that they are annoyed by patriotism. Like mm-hmm. they, like if they see someone wearing an American flag, anything they like hate them, mm-hmm. you know, which is like now is silly to me, mm-hmm. you know, uh, patriotism I think can be really healthy. Uh, and it should be healthy, a healthy thing. We fucking live here. Mm-hmm. Um, we should be proud. Uh, 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 the goal is to be proud of where we, we live mm-hmm. and where we're citizens. And, um, I think, I see a lot, you know, people our age and younger kind of shitting on patriots, mm-hmm. people who are very nationalistic, but coming from an immigrant's point of view, this country gave us everything. Yeah. Uh, of course they love this country. Mm-hmm. They love it deeply. Like they, they, I mean, they, this country took us in from, from terrors that, that they have traumatized them Yeah, their whole, for their whole life. So, mm-hmm. Uh, for it's given me such a valuable perspective yeah, on, on patriotism and what it really means and what this country, you know, a lot of times we can get really um, pessimistic about this country and, and uh, you know, down on, on the state of things. Um, but I always try to remember that the fact is my life wouldn't be nearly this good if this country didn't allow us in. Yeah. My family. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And Life's pretty good. A lot. It's just a weird, you know, I think uh, what you said is true in terms of like the goal is to be proud of where you live and it takes work from everybody to achieve that goal because like yeah. there's a lot of reasons not to be proud of this country in terms of like the things that have happened here and continue to happen here, but there are things to be proud of. Um, and if you're not proud of like where you live, like do the work to try to make it better. Yeah. And I don't think people challenging and I don't think people challenging the status quo are not patriotic. I think that's the most patriotic thing you can do is to say like, no, we can be better than that's, this. That's absolutely you the know? the uh, the most powerful way to exercise your patriotism is to vote and, and make yeah. change and protest and just get involved and engage in in the political process. But I th- I think uh, the the idea that um, that ex- extreme uh, that that um, um, patriotism like. Uh, I also, I guess, extreme patriotism mm-hmm. is just means that you're um, a bigot and y- yeah. you know you're racist and all, all this stuff, and that y- you can't openly be patriotic and be a, like a Democrat mm-hmm. is kind of silly to me. You yeah. know, that's silly. I, I mean, you, we should. 
I don't, or at the very least, I mean, I'm not super happy about <laughs> the state of this country <laughs> right now, but I'm, and, and I'm not proud of where we're at, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to shit on other people who disagree with me and are proud, mm-hmm. you know, uh, depending on what, for what reasons. <laughs> so yeah, I don't want to just shit on any, especially immigrant who is super patriotic, just, mm-hmm. just out the gate just like you're patriot you're you're super patriotic so you're an asshole yeah i'm not on that but uh this michelle Steele Mm -hmm. and her supporters i don't know i don't know man i think the i i understand the i i thought the article did a good job of making you almost empathize with these folks and understand like how they got to this point yeah, and yeah, how they became right. so fearful of they associated uh, with communism. Yeah, the fear of con- communism. Yeah, right. and how Michelle Steele can uh, use that against them, right? And yeah. exploit, trigger, <laughs> yeah. yeah, trigger <laughs> these fears within them that makes them irrational, right? I think we all have fears that can make us irrational. Um, like feeling like it's the end of democracy, right? Like how many times have you heard that in the right. past couple of years? And I think we just keep on proving that it's not the end of democracy over and over again. Like there's multiple times in this country that we've had to fight for democracy. Itself, this is another yeah. time that we have to do it. This is not new. And there's plenty of times in our history where, some people have felt like this is a democracy and other people have been completely left out of the democracy, <laughs> the democracy, not that long ago. Right. Right. And, um, this is just another time where like you have to fight and, um, yeah, I just hope we're not too apathetic to, to do it. Yeah. We got to fight. We got to raise our kids to be fighters. Yeah. And, uh, Alphas. The alphas. <laughs> you beat me to the punch. You beat me to the punch. Beat me to it. Um, I uh, I want I need to say that uh, Taylor's referencing an article he sent me by uh, Jada Yuan for the Washington Post. Yeah. Uh, for the old Wapo. Um, uh, one more thing I have to say before uh-huh. we get out of here. Uh, just last week, I went and saw our friends, Secret Sidewalk. A wonderful oh, yeah. Bay Area band <laughs> who provides our theme music. Uh-huh. Uh, the song is called Common Core. It's, mm-hmm. I encourage you guys to go listen, listen, listen to that song on Spotify. Uh, check out Secret Sidewalk. Wonderful band. I mean, okay, my cousin's in the band. <laughs> my cousin Mike is in the band. Uh, full disclosure. <laughs> and I, I, I love those guys. But um, I went and saw their show. The show was fantastic. That was awesome, man. Really? They're, I've been watching them for years, but their, their show is they're just getting better and better. Wonderful band. But yeah, Common Core, just like such an awesome song. They play that song. Uh, follow us on Instagram. I shared I shared a bit of their performance, yeah. a live performance of our song. Our song. Our song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We did actually. We did actually get the rights to that song. <laughs> we did it the right way. Yes, we did. And uh, we we love Secret Sidewalk. Great show. Shouts out to Secret Sidewalk uh, and my cousin Mike Boo, the legendary Mike Boo, on the turntables for <laughs> Secret Sidewalk. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. I'm Bernard. And I'm Taylor. And we are your Asian best friends. Oh.